0: And welcome to the Amazing Book club. I am Julie Callio, your host, and thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in with me today. If by chance you want to contact me, you can do that at theab.bc.pc at gmail.com. Today we are starting book three of the Psalms, which includes Psalms 73 through 89. But for this lesson, we are taking a look at the first four. 73 through 76. There are quite a few differences with book three. For one thing, books one and two are mainly written by King David, but book three only has one psalm by David, and that is Psalm 86. The majority, the first 11, are written by Asaph. Asaph is known as a seer or a prophet, and we see him in Second 2 Chronicles 29 30. He was also a musician put in charge of the service of songs in the house of the Lord under King David, 1 Chronicles chapter 6, verse 39. Book 3 is a smaller book, and it's a darker book overall, with more imprecatory and lament psalms. W. Robert Godfrey, in his book Learning to Love the Psalms, has titled Book 3 as The King's Crisis Over God's Promises. As Godfrey explains, this book represents a real crisis of faith for the people of God. The crisis is both a personal crisis and it is also a national crisis. In Psalm 74, we will see that the temple is destroyed, so these psalms are written in the later part of Israel's history. As with the other books, the first psalm of the book, Psalm 73, is a personal or an individual psalm. I labeled it as a lament with a question mark after it. It is a personal crisis of faith. It starts off, surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart, verse 2, but as for me. And then Asaph goes in a downward spiral of how the wicked prosper. Verse 13 says, Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and washed my hands of innocence. I know I have felt this way before, and I bet you have too. But then in verse 17, something changed in his heart. What was it? In verse 17, Until I came into the sanctuary of God, then I perceived their end. Being in God's holy presence brought a realization that even if in this world we don't see justice, there will be justice someday. The verses that I can't seem to get out of my mind are verses 21 through 24. When my heart was embittered, And I was pierced within. Then I was senseless and ignorant. I was like a beast before you, before God. Nevertheless, oh my, what a beautiful word. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You have taken hold of my right hand. With your counsel, you will guide me and afterward receive me to glory. After my postpartum depression, sometimes I felt like I was a beast before God. And yet God was with me, and I cried out to him. And as this passage says, he took hold of my right hand and he guided me through. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 19, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Even Asaph in the Old Testament realized this. There is something beyond this world. Asaph continues, Whom have I in heaven but you? And beside you I desire nothing on earth. God is his strength, his portion, his refuge. And Asaph declares that I may tell of all of your works. Having a glimpse of God, true worship changes things. And even when we almost lose it, the Lord is there holding our right hand, guiding us through the dark night of our soul. That, my friend, is called grace. Now, Psalm 74 is a corporate lament, and here the temple is now destroyed. What happens if there is no sanctuary of God to enter? Verse 1 starts, O oh God, why have you rejected us forever? Now, let me ask you, do you remember why? As we read the history of the Old Testament Jews, why did God allow the temple to be destroyed? And do you remember when it happened and by whom? The northern tribes were destroyed and dispersed by Assyria in 722 BC. The southern tribe was finally exiled and the temple and walls destroyed by Babylon in 586 BC. Why? They were not faithful to the Lord God Almighty, and they served other gods. At first, the psalmist cries out, why, why did this happen? And then in verse 10, the question becomes, how long, how long, O Lord? Do you remember how long they were in exile before they could come back and start rebuilding? It was 70 years. Then verse 12, we see the word yet, yet God is my king from of old. As you remember, King David is dead and gone. King Solomon is dead and gone. The kingdom is divided. The kingdom has been exiled, but God is still king. And in similar fashion, as to God's discussion with Job, the psalmist declares God's strength over the sea and the sea monsters, over the sun, moon, stars, and seasons. Then the psalmist asks the Lord to remember. Remember the ways of the enemy and consider the covenant and don't forget the adversaries. Then with the next two psalms, we see judgment that comes from the judge. Psalm 75, the psalmist can give thanks. All God's people can give thanks. Why? Because God is the judge and he judges justly. And because of that, God's people can also sing praises for the wicked will be cut off And the righteous will be lifted up. Then Psalm 76 starts, God is known in Judah. And then it ends with he is feared by the kings of the earth. Why? Because of God's judgment. The first two verses start with naming where God is. He is known in Judah, the southern tribe of Israel. His name is great in Israel, all of the nation, the north and the south together. His tabernacle or his dwelling place is in Salem. This is the name of Jerusalem way back in Genesis chapter 14 verse 18 with King Melchizedek, way back when he blessed Abraham. Melchizedek was a priest of the Most High God and and then God's dwelling place also is in Zion. This name is found in Second Samuel 5, 7, which is a specific mount, Mount Zion, the city of David, also known as Jerusalem. This God saved the humble of the earth, verse 9, and since God fought for his people, the psalmist ends with a declaration that since God is just make vows to him and keep them bring gifts to the one who is to be feared and even the kings of the earth fear him in these psalms we see that the earth and the temple is shakable in the new testament Jesus declares that the second temple will also be destroyed that's found in Mark chapter 13. For those who know history, in 70 AD, the Romans destroyed the temple in Jerusalem. The writer of the New Testament book of Hebrews also prepares the way by saying in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 25 through 28, that Jerusalem and the temple are shakable, but thankfully we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Therefore, let us offer up to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. In other words, with fear. For our God is a consuming fire. He is the just judge. Then in the book of Revelation, chapter 14, verse 1, we see Mount Zion. And then Revelation 21, we see the new Jerusalem coming from heaven This will never be shaken. Ladies, for those who believe in the God of heaven through his son, Jesus Christ, we can have hope even in desperate times, even in times of crisis, because he's holding our right hand. As the psalmist cried out to God, so can we. There is a day of reckoning coming. Let's be on the side that fears the Lord. Ladies, today if you hear God's voice, don't harden your hearts. Instead, let's be women who pray and obey like the psalmist. Until next time, and thank you so much for listening.